1: The Mystifying Disappearance of Stacy Ann Aris in Yosemite National Park What is Folklore? According to the American Folklore Society, folklore covers a wide range of topics, including issues in the news such as fake news, cryptozoology, legends, holidays, internet memes, traditional and world music, and the supernatural. Common understandings of folklore associate the term with either the past or outdated beliefs, but folklore is so much more. People have been disappearing since the beginning of time. The cavemen probably had plenty of missing persons to report, if there had been someone to report to. Of course, Many of those cases were probably due to saber-toothed cats and other large man-eating predators. After all, life was a lot harder thousands of years ago and even hundreds of years ago than it is today. They did not have the technology or resources that we now have, so more than likely, people going missing without a trace was very common. But even with our modern technology, thousands of people disappear every year all over the world some return weeks later others never to be seen again strange disappearances have been happening in our national forests for decades and the number of the missing are in the thousands to those of us who believe in legends folklore and the paranormal The possibilities are limitless as to why and how these people have vanished, never to be seen again. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters, both ancient and modern. This week... We are discussing the mysterious unsolved case of Stacey Ann Ares from the Yosemite National Park. Was it supernatural, extraterrestrial, or foul play? This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service you can leave us an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to Carrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. It was a beautiful July day in Yosemite National Park. A regular day, like any other. 14-year-old Stacy was in an area of the park called Sunrise Meadows, along with her father George and six others on a horseback riding excursion that was to last several days. The group made their way to 9,400 feet above sea level to a place called Sunrise High Sierra Camp. There was a cluster of cabins where they planned to stay for the night. The nine cabins were situated in a picturesque alpine meadow. The campsite featured various activities and hiking trails. Excited and ready to take a short hike to get some photographs of a nearby lake, Stacy quickly changed her clothes. Before heading off, Stacy asked her father if he wanted to come along. But he said he just wanted to relax for a while, a decision that he would soon regret. So Stacy headed off on her own. Besides, it was peak season and there would be an abundance of people, so it should be safe. Stacy told her father she was going to take a walk near a boulder just a hundred feet away from the cabins. It was a beautiful day, and the weather was good and the trail she intended to take was easy, only about a mile and a half long. It was so easy, in fact, that Stacy had opted for her flip-flops instead of changing into her hiking boots. After all, it was a non-challenging terrain, and there should be nothing to worry about. Stacy took off, and before reaching the boulder, stopped to talk to an elderly gentleman named Gerald, who was in his early 70s. Gerald occupied one of the cabins nearby. They chatted for a bit, and then Stacy told him that she was going to head to the water. Gerald offered to go along with her, and the two headed off. They were still very close to the camp at this point. Close enough that many people staying there could see them clearly. After a little ways, Gerald got tired and stopped to rest. Stacy told him she was going to go ahead and scout ahead, but she would be back in a minute. Gerald watched as Stacy walked behind some trees. This was the last time he saw her. But at the camp, the group's tour guide remembered noticing her from afar. She was standing on a rock about 50 yards south of the trail. Later that evening, a rainstorm rolled into the area and any possible evidence may have been washed away.
0: This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters, murder, mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the roaring twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
1: Stacy Era's disappearance, though unusual, is not uncommon. There have been more articles than you can count on theories of what may have happened. The overall hours put into investigating by professionals and amateurs is overwhelming. Some of the search and rescue volunteers, an outdoor enthusiasts who have researched Eri's case, seem to agree. Some reports were possibly inaccurate. On a forum about unsolved mysteries, Redditor U Persimmon, who claims to have grown up and worked in Yosemite, said, The official description of where she went missing makes no sense. Purportedly, The group arrived at the Sunrise HSC, where they planned to stay in some of the cabins. We are told Stacy left to photograph the lake, which was inside of the cabins. But there is no lake inside of the camp. It would have been a very long hike to reach a lake, so that discrepancy is odd. That fact changes things a lot. If she really set out to photograph the lake, then there was a lot of distance and space that could have accounted for her disappearance. There are many crevices and spots where she could have possibly fallen, and crevices can conceal anything. However, not knowing where she went makes it difficult to guess. Erez is one of many people who disappeared in a national park, though the exact number is unknown. The National Park Service doesn't keep a record of the many people who have vanished in their parks. It's possible she had a mishap. Yosemite is known for its large population of black bears. There are about 300 to 500 bears in the park alone. As the National Park is a popular place to hike, visitors are to remain at least 50 yards from any bears they encounter in undeveloped areas. Though these statistics evoke a small probability that Erez encountered one of these animals on her trip to the lake, it is unlikely that they would have confronted her considering the National Park Service claims no one in Yosemite has perished from an encounter with a black bear. David Polites, Bigfoot enthusiast, investigator, author, and documentarian, has posted through his Missing 411 series that there are similarities between National Park disappearance cases. Pilates claims he has spent 7,000 or more hours investigating the park system disappearances. From his research, he estimates that there are around 1,600 missing persons across 85 million acres of parkland in the United States. Pilates often chooses cases that might fit certain paranormal theories, most of which include Bigfoot. He arranges the disappearances he researches Into what he calls clusters, cases with similar circumstances. One of the criteria for these clusters is storms. In Eris's case, search and rescue dogs struggled to pick up her scent since the conditions were oddly dry and windy. One of the common themes David Pilates includes in his clusters is drowning. Over the last decade, this has remained the top incident to result in the loss of life in the national parks. Since Erez vanished while taking photographs of a lake, it is possible she slipped into the water. Search and Rescue, however, sent in divers and spent time walking search dogs around the lake, but they came back with nothing. Hundreds of people go missing at national parks across the United States every year. Many of these disappearances are never solved. In the United States national park system alone, there are more than 84 million acres of preserved woods, deserts, mountains, and other wilderness. So it's no surprise that in the past 100 years, there have been many cases of hikers going missing. Disappearances in national parks seems to be way more frequent than they should be. Every year, hundreds of cases of strange disappearances happen Only a handful are ever seen again. A number of these cases were young children and amateur hikers, but some are healthy, experienced outdoor people. Is the explanation for these disappearances just natural cases of someone wandering off and getting lost? Or is there more to these disappearances? Perhaps one of the most famous and strange disappearances in a national park took place in 1969 a young boy named Dennis Martin was vacationing in the Great Smoky Mountains with his family in a popular spot called Spence Field Dennis was only six years old Dennis his brother and some other kids decided it would be funny to play a prank on his family while his parents were talking to another adult the kids decided to split up hide and jump out to scare their parents. It was just a harmless prank. While three of the boys went one way, Dennis went another. Although all four of the kids hid, only three of them jumped out. Dennis just vanished, and that is the last anyone ever saw of him. Some six miles away, another young boy screamed. He claimed to have seen what looked like a bear, but then claimed it looked like a large man with something strange slung over his shoulder. A search party was frantically started and went on until night, but Dennis was never found. Later, a torrential rain washed away any scent or trace that could potentially be used by search dogs to find the missing boy. In the following days, the FBI, the police, and several other forms of official aid was dispatched to help find Dennis, but no footprints, clothing, or belongings were ever found. The most bizarre thing about this case is the government's reaction to it. The FBI agent who was in charge and who had organized the search committed suicide shortly after for unknown reasons. Another Special Forces member by the name of Harold Cleveland later issued a statement in 2014 in which he says something paranormal must have been afoot. Cleveland issued a statement in 2014 to News of the Weird. In his statement, he wrote, Something is very wrong with this missing kid scenario. I've done some research on this case, both while on active duty and after my retirement. The inside facts of this case depict a frightening investigation Bottom line is that searching started within a few minutes of the boy's disappearance and lasted three months with every resource imaginable being deployed. Our special troops can find almost anything, anytime and in any terrain. We have the highest technology available worldwide and easily the best training and real-world wartime and mission-specific experience that the normal civilian populace can scarcely imagine. After studying this case, the fact that no trace of the boy was ever found is mind-boggling. Is it possible that there is something more terrifying than bears lurking in our national forests? Possibly one of the most perplexing stories of strange disappearances in national parks is the disappearance and reappearance of a boy known only as John Doe. John Doe was mentioned in a George Knapp coast-to-coast interview. John Doe, only three years old, was last seen near a fly-fishing river where he promptly vanished for five hours. A search party eventually found him, dazed but unharmed, in the middle of a grove of trees. When the little boy was questioned, he had a very strange story to tell. He said, that he had followed a woman who looked like his grandmother to a mountain. He then entered a room that had a bunch of motionless robots and weapons lying all over a dusty floor. He then stated that he noticed a strange glow coming from the woman's head. Even stranger yet, is that the next thing she asked him to do was defecate on a piece of paper. The boy claimed that she got agitated when he refused. She then told him to go and wait amongst the trees until he was found. No one had any idea where the boy actually was when he disappeared. It would be easy to say that the story of John Doe's disappearance and his claims were just that of a child's overactive imagination. But how many three-year-olds can create such an elaborate tale? Not to mention, most adults cannot even recall memories from the age of three. There is something very bizarre about this disappearance case that gives credence to John Doe's crazy story. When interviewed, his grandmother, who had gone camping with him, claimed that she was dragged out of her tent late at night. She woke up to a strange pain at the base of her neck and found two small holes near the back of her head. So while many strange disappearances can be explained logically, What do you think actually happened to young John Doe? Another strange disappearance occurred on September 25, 1981, when 58-year-old Thelma Pauline Melton, often called Polly by her friends, was hiking with her two friends near the Deep Creek Campground. It was an easy trail that Melton had been hiking for 20 years, so she knew the lay of the land intimately. Yet, as they were hiking at a leisurely pace, she rounded a bend in front of her friends and seemingly stepped off the face of the earth. Her friends searched the area where Melton had been just moments before, but could find no sign of where she had gone. Making the whole scene even more bizarre was that Melton was overweight and suffered from high blood pressure and nausea for which she took medication. Making it bizarre, that she could have gotten so far away from her friends so fast. Melton's friends had been playfully teasing her about her slow pace not long before she vanished. Additionally, her medical condition had gotten her barred from driving at the time and she had no keys with which she could have driven away. She had also been a happy and well-adjusted individual with no discernible reason to want to vanish. Again, A massive search was launched, but no sign of Melton could be found. Authorities were unable to even get a good set of tracks to follow, which would have made things easier considering Melton's left shoe had apparently had a noticeable crack in the sole, which would have made her tracks distinguishable and easy to differentiate from those of other hikers. Nevertheless, No trace of Polly Melton has ever been found, and she remains missing. During a family vacation in Colorado's Rocky Mountain National Park in 1938, four-year-old Alfred Bilharts, while hiking with his parents along a near river, vanished without a trace. His parents were watching him carefully, they claimed. One minute he was only a few feet away from them, the next minute... He was gone. There was a six-mile search of the area where he disappeared, but the only clue they had was a scent that search dogs caught. The dogs were able to trace his scent 500 feet uphill from where he vanished. The only problem was that there were no footprints and no Alfred to be seen. Stranger, the dogs that traced the scent seemed to be confused by what they were smelling and they quickly lost the scent. Once the dogs traced the scent uphill, the two pups began to cock their heads and look nervous. Eventually, both hounds ended up lying down on the ground, unable to go any further on any trail. Alarmingly, some hikers who were walking six miles away from where Alfred disappeared claimed they saw a young boy in a very dangerous and difficult-to-reach rock outcropping called the Devil's Nest. The two hikers said that they had only seen the boy minutes after he allegedly disappeared. Stranger, they claimed that the boy seemed dazed and upset, but then appeared to be jerked back by an unknown force. A four-year-old boy would not reasonably or logically be able to travel six miles and uphill, over 3,000 feet on his own. Even the survival specialists who searched for him needed specialized equipment to get up there. So who or what grabbed little Alfred? We may never know. Alfred Billhart's was never found. To this day, his case is one of the most unexplained and disturbingly strange disappearances in national parks there are many theories as to what happens to the people who go missing in national parks and are never found let's take a look at a few of the more disturbing theories our first theory is a rather new one are national parks home to feral people an article by kyle and olivia brady on their travel blog, talks about the popular new theory. Lately, the Internet is ablaze over the topic of feral people in national parks. Visitors and enthusiasts have chimed in with stories and ideas of these so-called wild and cannibalistic people. In late January and early February of 2021, videos and theories about feral people in national parks and wilderness areas started exploding on the short-form video platform TikTok. It's unclear exactly where it all began. However, on January 25th, a user named Ariel posted a video about a strange experience she had in the Big Bend area. In her video, she claims she was camping with her husband and daughter in the Big Bend National Park. Later on, on their fifth day, they stayed the night at the lodge in the Basin and hung out on the patio. At one point, they heard multiple people screaming off in the distance. Then a woman screamed, We're gonna die! Ariel claimed the blood-curdling scream went on. Finally, she heard a woman's voice saying, I love you, just know that. She also alleged she heard a child screaming Mommy, and other voices saying, Help, and call a ranger. Ariel said they immediately called the police and a park ranger, but they found nothing. She explained that they asked about the family the next day, but none of the park employees or rangers knew what she was talking about. After Ariel's video, other TikTok users started posting their own stories and theories about bizarre happenings in the wilderness. There are no official reports or documentation whatsoever to back up any of these claims, but the conspiracy theories persist. There are no reports or official documentation suggesting that cannibals or feral people live in our national parks. David Polites is a former police officer who is now an investigator and writer known primarily for his self-published books. One, Proving the Reality of Bigfoot, and his Missing 411 series of books, in which he documents the disappearance of people in national parks and elsewhere. After leaving the police force, Pilates became a cryptozoologist and published books arguing the existence of Bigfoot. While researching a national park, a local ranger expressed his concern to Pilates about the missing person's cold cases involving the national park service. Intrigued, Pilates began to investigate. It wasn't straightforward because the National Park Service doesn't keep extensive records on missing persons. It instead leaves the job to local law enforcement to track and in most cases solve the disappearances. But as Pilates dug in and through endless reports and cold case files, he noticed disturbing trends. In some cases, An easy answer was available. Death by falling, animal attack, exposure to the elements, or illness. But there were some stories that Pilates thought defied simple explanation. People seemingly vanished into thin air. They were there one minute and gone the next. Other stories involved tracking dogs that were brought in that either couldn't or wouldn't hunt for the missing. Still other disappearances seem to occur more frequently near areas heavy with boulders or close to berry patches. Some people were eventually located at much higher elevations than they disappeared. In one such case, a toddler was found 12 miles away from where he vanished, a journey that would have had this two-year-old traversing two mountain ranges and crossing over fences and through creeks. Perhaps a person abducted the boy and abandoned him miles later. But why? These mysterious circumstances have led some to theorize these are abductions made by Bigfoot or some other large animal or wild man. In the rare event that a missing person is found deceased, the autopsy does not often communicate very conclusive information. In fact, Most of the reported autopsies came back inconclusive, and pathologists aren't able to determine the cause of death. Some people use this as evidence for paranormal activity, but no one truly knows what happened. There are several clusters that Pilates has found in common with the disappearances. Some, like people disappearing around bodies of water, are easily explained, as the number one cause of death in national parks over the past decade has been drowning. But others make less sense. One such cluster appears when looking at the amount of people who have gone missing near berry bushes. People disappear and are found in the middle of berry bushes, Pilates claims. They go missing while picking berries, and some are found while eating berries. The connection between some disappearances and berries cannot be denied. Here is a bit of folklore passed down from a friend through generations of his family. Only take berries from The Verge in the sunlight but never eat berries that are deeper in the woods. White berries, bane berries or Doll's Eyes obviously don't eat them but also do not go near them but instead Step back several steps after you spot them without turning around and then run and get away as fast as possible. You cannot end any good conspiracy theory on missing persons without considering the possibility of alien abduction. Arthur William Bell III, also known as Art Bell, born June 17, 1945, was an American broadcaster and author. He was the founder and the original host of the paranormal-themed radio program Coast to Coast AM, which is syndicated on hundreds of radio stations in the United States and Canada. He also created and hosted his companion show, Dreamland Coast to Coast, which still airs nightly, even though Art Bell passed April 13, 2018. Art Bell did an episode on one of his shows about the disappearance of Todd Seas in the woods of Pennsylvania. Avid hunter, outdoorsman, father and husband, Todd Seas wakes up just before dawn to go deer hunting. He heads off to Montour Ridge, which is just behind his home in Point Township, Pennsylvania. Sees leaves his house at 5 a.m. and tells his wife that he will be home by noon before taking off on his ATV. After failing to return home by the appointed time, C's wife begins to grow concerned and alerts the authorities. Shortly thereafter, one of the sons spots Todd's abandoned ATV on its side two miles away from the house. By 3 p.m., a search party had been formed in an attempt to find Todd C's. There were no footprints leading away from the ATV, and tracking dogs were unable to pick up any scent from the site. Divers were brought in to search a nearby pond, while others searched the surrounding six miles for any sign of the missing person. The only trace of Todd seas that could be found was his boot, 75 feet in the air, at the top of a tree. Rescue volunteers begin to hurriedly clear away the brush when they come upon a grisly sight, the body of Todd Sees. He is described as being incredibly emaciated and pale. His clothes, except for his boxers, are missing, and he has a look of terror frozen on his face. To make matters stranger, no family members were called to identify the body. Adding to this, the body of Todd Seas was removed from the site without a coroner present, contrary to Pennsylvania law. Northumberland County Coroner James Kelly immediately began an autopsy on Todd Seas. However, there were no signs of external or internal trauma of any kind, and the autopsy turned up inconclusive. Kelly returned the remains to his family in a sealed casket, which he strongly encouraged the family not to open. Todd sees is buried, and his family begins to move forward to pick up the pieces. A toxicology report released months later suggests cocaine toxicity as the probable cause of his death. Shortly thereafter, police close the investigation. Oddly enough, News and media coverage around the incident and investigation was rather scarce. Given the strange circumstances, however, the case gained the attention of many paranormal researchers. Despite resistance from local law enforcement, controversial ufologist Peter Davenport produced a few more alleged pieces of information. For example, he claimed that there were reports of several FBI officials who descended onto the scene. These officials allegedly began to instruct locals not to speak to the press. Additionally, at 5.30 a.m. on the morning Sees went missing, two fishermen on the nearby river reported seeing a disc-shaped UFO in the sky. At the end of the day, We are no closer to understanding what or who killed Todd sees. Even if you discount the UFO and paranormal angle, there are still too many unknowns surrounding the incident. The national parks and forests of the United States are beautiful, serene places that showcase the natural beauty of America. But among those vast wild parks lies a dark, often untold secret. Thousands of people have mysteriously gone missing within these areas, and no official explanation has ever been given. Even worse, no official count is available, as the National Park Services can't always keep track of missing persons. So what happened to the people who disappeared in our national parks? Several people from the camp, including Gerald, had seen Stacy walk off behind the trees. When she did not come back, like she said she would, Gerald became worried. After letting others in the camp know that Stacy had never returned as she said she would, they decided to go looking for her. There wasn't any panic at this point. Only a short amount of time had passed, and everyone assumed she was out taking pictures but may have wandered off the trail. As they walked the path Stacy had taken, there was no sign of her. They had made several runs along the length of the trail and had turned up nothing. At some point, they passed another group of hikers and questioned them about seeing someone resembling Stacy, but they had seen no one. It was as if she had evaporated into thin air. Beginning to feel a sense of urgency, as panic finally began to set in, the searchers started fanning out into the woods and calling out to Stacy. Eventually, they found the lens cap to her camera sitting in the middle of a nearby meadow, close to where she had last been seen. They continued the search for about an hour, with no clues to her whereabouts when they finally called the authorities. Quickly, a massive search operation was formed and launched. There were about 150 people involved, including 67 Mountain Rescue Association volunteers. They used tracker dogs and helicopters to scour the vicinity. They found nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. The dogs never picked up a scent. There was no other trace of her belonging besides the camera lens, and they never found a single track. It was as if Stacy had never even been there. Was Stacy Ares a victim of nature? Was she a young girl that came upon the wrong person at the wrong time? Or maybe something worse? Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other shows featuring terrifying tales, such as the Darkness Prevails podcast, which has over 300 episodes showcasing allegedly true scary stories from around the world. If you love the supernatural, and mysterious creatures interest you, the Darkness Prevails podcast is the show for you. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to Carrion at gmail.com. C A R M A N C A R R I O N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Tune in next week as freaky folklore explores the most feared mythical creature of the Philippines, the Aswang. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one.